Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode, first ever, of Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm, I'm very happy to start this journey on reviewing films that I basically grew up on throughout my earlier childhood as well as my teenage years. As a child of the 1980s, I fell in love with movies, and and I'm very excited to be able to talk to you about many of them that I cherish so much, and also explore some of the films that maybe I missed at the time. Maybe they didn't catch my interest because they were too adult, or just not my thing at the time. So I'm going to be able to explore not only the movies that I truly love, but also get into some of the ones that I've been meaning to catch up with for a long time. Now, as you can tell, the title of my show is a riff off Around the World in 80 Days. Around the World in 80s movies maybe implies that I'm going to be reviewing films in cinema, like world cinema, perhaps. And I will definitely do that. But for the beginning of the show, I'm going to be sticking with some of the more popular ones because, hey, this is a new podcast, so I have to actually do <laughs> a few movies, a few reviews in order to attract some of the people out there who are just looking to get reviews of those 1980s movies that they also know and love. And you'll also expect that I'm going to be very strict about reviewing nothing but 80s movies. Well, that's not going to be the case. If you've seen the title for this particular episode, you know I'm starting with Star Wars, as I've always called it. It later got renamed when it became a huge franchise into Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, that movie was from 1977, so starting an 80s movie show with a film from the 70s, why am I doing that? Well, it's hard to do an 80s movies podcast without talking about Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, episodes 5 and 6, without actually talking about the one that started it all, 1977's Star Wars. And since I'm going to be referring to that, I figured I might as well kick off this series with the original Star Wars. And that's how it's going to be on this show. Around the World in 80s Movies is going to be talking primarily about 80s movies, but also the films that inspired those movies. So I may dip back into the 70s, maybe even earlier, depending on what kind of movies I'm talking about, like the James Bond series, certainly. We might be exploring some of those early Bonds as well. So I'm going to keep things very loose and let my own whims as well as your feedback be the guide if you have any comments about this show or any of the episodes that you may hear in the future, you can find my contact information on my website, equipster.net. For those of you who don't know me, I have been doing film reviews for about 21 years now at the time of this recording, and you can find all of my written reviews at quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. You can also find some of my other podcasting work. I do the Quipster Film Review Podcast, which concentrates on new film releases, and I also co-host a show with J.D. Duran and Brendan Cassidy called The In Session Film Podcast. I'm specifically on the extra film segments of that show, so check out InSessionFilm.com if you want more details on that one as well. Without further ado, let's get into our review for our inaugural episode. It is, yes, Star Wars, Episode 4, A New Hope. And I was six years old at the time that this film was released into theaters, so I guess that really does date me specifically, and there was a period of time when Star Wars was the only Star Wars film in my life. So for the purpose of this review, it seems hard to believe that there are people that may be listening to this today that have not seen Star Wars, but I can assure you I've actually met quite a few people who tell me, oh, you know, I've never actually watched Star Wars, even though I know all about it. And that's kind of incredible to me that a film with so many pop culture references here and there and, and such a rabid fan base would not at least elicit some curiosity that they would take the two hours to actually catch that movie. Nevertheless, they do exist out there. And so for that, I'm going to review this film as if there are listeners 
who have yet to see the movie, and I will try to refrain from major spoilers and give you a little bit of plot details that I might not otherwise if I were talking to somebody who was very familiar with this film. Now, Star Wars, of course, it came out in 1977. It is sometimes listed as a science fiction film, but I think most people would classify it as a fantasy film, a space fantasy, an adventure film as well, before they would consider it a pure science fiction film. It's a PG-rated film. This was before the days of PG-13. I suppose it, because there is a lot of killing in this movie, it might actually be PG-13 today. But then again, the first two films in the Star Wars prequel franchise were probably a little bit more violent, and they garnered a PG rating. So maybe I'm wrong about that. The runtime of this is two hours and one minute, but that's the theatrical release, which they don't really release anymore onto streaming or home video, but the special edition in which George Lucas tinkered around with adding some special effects and putting in a couple of deleted scenes runs two hours and five minutes. For those of you who care, I really wince at a lot of the special edition, even though I admire some of the special effects when it comes to outer space shots, but the CG characters that they've injected are distracting and really dated and awful and much more noticeable than if he had never tinkered with the original film which i think is just fine the cast is legendary mark hamill is the main star as luke skywalker harrison ford carrie fisher alec guinness peter cushing anthony daniels and kenny baker play the droids peter mayhew as chewbacca david prowse is in the darth vader suit but james earl jones does the voice the director and screenplay is credited to George Lucas. He's the main brains behind the Star Wars franchise, of course. It starts with A Long Time Ago, In a Galaxy Far, Far Away, written on the screen. And you know all the rest, really. You don't even have to have seen the movie to know the phrase A Long Time Ago, In a Galaxy Far, Far Away, or May the Force Be With You, or any of the other catchphrases used in this film. If you are not familiar with the plot, I will just say that it starts with a couple of robots that shuttle to a desert planet after... Their spaceship, which was part of the Rebel Alliance, is taken over by an Imperial Star Cruiser, the bad guys, and they capture everyone on board, including the Rebel Alliance princess from Alderaan, Leia. Leia has sent these robots to Tatooine, a nearby planet, to convey a message to a man named Obi-Wan Kenobi, who she claims is the only hope left for the Rebels to have a chance to beat the evil Empire. Now, a pair of Tatooine farmers buy the droids after they're captured by some scavengers in order to use on their farm. And after the farmer boy, named Luke, a teenager, discovers the princess's message within one of the droids, he heads to, as he calls him, Ben Kenobi, in order to deliver that message. One of those droids contains the plants that is going to be delivered to the rebels. And if you've seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which just came out a year ago from the time of this recording, you'll you'll know that there is a prequel to Star Wars that was made recently, and it contains the obtaining of those plans. Now, although it's rooted very deeply as a populist movie, it came out in the 1970s. That was a time when the divide between the old guard in the United States and the younger generation was still prevalent. George Lucas pushed forward this notion of freedom-seeking youngsters of every species, and one crazy old hippie, uh, so Luke's uncle suggests, that they would fight against the prevailing monocultural authority that's led by old stodgy men in the empire, an empire that sees compliance and absolute obedience as their prevailing interest in controlling the galaxy. Now, if you put all of this into Joseph Campbell's exploration of myth, 
In narrative forms, especially the hero's journey in which Lucas based his storytelling, constructing his script and overall arcs for the series on Campbell's theories of myth. George Lucas also is dabbling into some of the quest for New Age spirituality that was prevalent in the 1970s, and that's embodied in the use of the Force. The Force suggests that there's more to the universe than just what which we can see and perceive, and by tapping into this cosmic energy from within oneself, one can transcend into another world of belief and strength and ability to modify one's external world. And like many religions in our modern society, there's this growing belief that such things are archaic and outdated ways of thinking that are brought about by people who did not know any other means of perceiving our universe and utter existence. The Empire, save for the sole evil master who once trained as a Jedi in the Old Republic, Darth Vader, they summarily reject this quasi-religion, and indeed they've managed to all but entirely snuff out the Jedi altogether in their conquests. Now, interestingly, in contrasting Darth Vader to Obi-Wan Kenobi, we learn that just a belief in the Force, or even the ability to harness it, is not in itself a good thing. It doesn't make you a good person to just believe in the Force or to even be able to utilize it, because there's this dark side to the Force that can be tapped into in order to gain the power to commit highly malicious acts, and that comes at the cost of corrupting one's own nature in the process, but you can become very powerful, and that's embodied in Darth Vader in this film, and something that's explored in many later films. While A New Hope is not a film that strives for giving these actors that are within it a grand platform for showing off their thespian skills, I do think that the casting really does work well for this movie. Mark Hamill, who often gets criticized for being very whiny in the movie, I do think that he does embody the sweet-natured dreamer, this teenager who desires, above all else, to see more in the galaxy than just what's around him on this desert farm. Now, in, in addressing Luke's early whininess in this film, I think given his protective guardians, as well as this lack of social interaction with many around him, the few that he knew, those friends, have already left to go fight in the war in space. I think it's pretty understandable that Luke would suffer from arrested development and being secluded in farm life and having all of his decisions dictated to him by his uncle and his aunt somewhat. That makes sense for him to still act like a whiny kid. Carrie Fisher does offer a lot of spunk as Princess Leia. I will say I have kind of a criticism here. Her accent shifts from American to British on occasion, usually talking to some of the imperial people that also speak in British accents. It's not something that she really does in subsequent films, so I'm not sure why it's done here. Maybe they changed their mind during the production about how she was going to sound, or maybe she just addresses Grandma Tarkin in that way for a particular reason that we don't know about. The inclusion of venerable actor Sir Alec Guinness, he does lend the part of Obi-Wan or Ben Kenobi, with a kind of instant gravitas and the kind of respect to make us believe that his own beliefs from the first moment that we hear him speak about them, especially when it comes to the Force. And that gravitas is certainly embodied also in Darth Vader, whose stature provided by David Prowse and his voice to join it commandingly performed by James Earl Jones makes Darth Vader seem like one of the more formidable on-screen villains that we've ever had in cinema history. And... Coming in nearly halfway into the film to steal the hearts of many viewers, especially young boys like me, is the roguish Han Solo. Harrison Ford gives the perfect devil-may-care snark to that character. Ford had worked with George Lucas for a supporting role in his prior hit film, American Graffiti. And if there's any character in this film that really merited a spinoff movie into his own adventures, and they're finally going to make it at the time of this recording, one could not desire more 
than Harrison Ford as this wisecracking, sometimes reluctantly heroic character, Han Solo. And as with Alec Guinness, the inclusion of hammer horror legend Peter Cushing also lends a lot of great weight to the Empire's side as the ruthless Grand Moff Tarkin, who is seemingly calling all the shots in concert somewhat with Darth Vader on the Death Star. Now, add to all of this the amazing and now legendary score from composer John Williams, who perfectly captures the majesty of space battles with a very regal, horn-dominated main theme, while offering some lush and elegant violins for softer moments within the film, including showing Luke's modest upbringing and his dreams, and Leia's strength led by her caring side that would rather see herself die than cave in to the Nazi-like regime under the Empire and its evil intentions. Williams even tosses in some old-style jazz for the cantina scene to mix up the variety and spice up the eclectic nature of the entire vision by George Lucas, and going in concert with the tight editing, which uses wipes and ellipses and a variety of other classic cinematic transitions, this is a two-hour movie that feels like it's really like a -a three-and-a-half-hour movie that's been densely packed into it, and yet it rarely feels like it's taking grand shortcuts. It does tell its story in a very calculated and methodical way, but still finds time for a lot of excitement in between. I guess in summation, blending genre and culture to form a completely organic and uniquely new major hybrid for entertainment, I think Star Wars is truly one of the all-time greatest cinematic experiences ever created, I believe. I think anybody who saw this growing up is mesmerized by that film, and I know this film gets 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I can only wonder what the 7% of film critics who did not think that this was worth recommending are thinking, but I guess that's why we have so many film critics, so many different points of view. I guess you'd have to go check out their reviews and see if they were just completely off their rocker, or if they had a valid reason for thinking this was not something that other people should go out and see. This is a movie that explores the power of myths, of legends, of ancient customs, and in so doing, it actually becomes a story of myth and legend for generations of current fans around the world. It's a modern-day equivalent of a fairy tale. It's masterfully and lovingly created by writer-director George Lucas, who had dabbled in some science fiction before, especially in his early directorial effort, THX 1138. This is a tour de force of the kind of cinema that Lucas, no doubt, ravenously consumed growing up, and also through his time studying and learning how to make films. He combines elements of narratives of the past with World War II films, especially in the intensely choreographed dogfights, the bomber-style space battle against the pesky TIE fighters from within the Millennium Falcon is a glorious example. There are elements of modern-day westerns here. A lot of Japanese cinema gets incorporated, especially of Akira Kurosawa. This is a breathtaking endeavor with an absorbing universe of richly defined characters here. Definitely worth building your saga around. And the film is just beautiful with a lot of great sets and set design and art design and costumes that are truly stunning. A tightly constructed plot that never strays off course. I think, personally speaking, and I'm speaking for I'm sure many others, this is nothing short of a sci-fi fantasy epic. And so this is a four-star movie. I guess you could see that coming. And four stars on my scale means I definitely recommend it for everyone. If you haven't seen it, I think you owe it to yourself to finally give it a shot and be able to understand all of the pop culture references through and through. Even I I think that this is a movie that will actually surprise you greatly because there are a lot of quiet moments within and a lot of scenes, character building that you may not have anticipated if you still haven't given it a chance. It's not just catchphrases and whiz bang. 
there is an actual story here, and it's told quite well. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this very first review on Around the World in 80s Movies. We'll definitely be getting into the actual 80s, starting with our next review. That's going to be Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. So Return of the Jedi shortly follows another 80s movie, so we're definitely going to be on track starting with the next episode, but I hope that you were willing to indulge me on this one and that you enjoyed the review. If you want to write to me, you can find my contact information at my website, quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. And thank you, everyone, for joining me on this trip through my childhood as well as the films of the 1980s. There's a lot of great stuff to cover, so I'm really excited to get into it even more. So thank you, and hopefully you'll click the subscribe button and continue to join me all along the way. Hi, I'm here with my daughter Lily, and Lily was watching Star Wars with me, and I, even though I've seen it probably a hundred times, Lily, was this the first time that you've seen Star Wars? Yes. Yeah? And did you like it? Of course I did. Yeah. And what did you like most about it? I liked the most about it is that it had the Star Wars lasers and stuff. Star Wars lasers, okay. Just so you know, Lily is five years old, and I was six years old when I first saw Star Wars, and it was kind of a special movie to me. But Lily gets to see a lot more movies because she happens to have a dad who loves watching movies. So how would you say... Among your favorite movies, Star Wars ranks. Is it one of your favorites, or is it okay, or is it... Favorite. It's your favorite. Oh my gosh, what about Ratatouille? I thought Ratatouille was your favorite. Well, Ratatouille is kind of my favorite, but Star Wars is my favorite favorite. Oh, it's your favorite favorite. And who's your favorite character in Star Wars? My favorite character in Star Wars was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi? Not Princess Leia? Not R2-D2? Why did you like Obi-Wan Kenobi? Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi had a long white beard, and that's why I liked oh, him. Oh, so you, you really like the long white beards. Yeah, because that means he's wise. He's wise. Oh, okay. So in, in real life, if you see somebody with a long white beard, are they wise? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a lot of people that I know of that may not fall into that category. But we're talking movies here, so I guess, you know, it kind of fits the... Fits the mold. Are you excited about watching more Star Wars movies? Yes. Okay, because we're going to be watching Empire Strikes Back together next, and that one's going to have Yoda. Wow. All right. So what else did you like about Star Wars? What else did I like about Star Wars? Well, I like the part where um, Princess Leia got captured by... I forgot his name, but... Oh, Dark Vader. Dark Vader? Yes. Okay, Dark Vader. <laughs> That's pretty close. That is pretty close. And where where is uh, Darth, Darth Vader? Where is he, like, located? He's located in the first part and some parts in the middle. Oh, <laughs> that is true. What, what's, the, what's the name of the space station he's on? Um, I forgot. It destroys planets? You don't remember the name of it? Uh-uh. Okay, it's called the Death Star. Yes. Did you like Luke Skywalker? Of course I did. Yeah? Is there anybody you don't like in the movie? Uh, yes. I didn't like the big robot. The big robot? You mean C-3PO? Yep. All right. <laughs> Why didn't you like him? Because he was big and he would be mean to R2-D2. He's mean to R2-D2? Yes. Well, he looks out for him, too, sometimes. He just, I don't know, he gets annoyed. 
He, he's in all the movies, so sorry to say, but I think he gets hurt in all the movies, too, so you may be happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lily, for sharing. And on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, what will you give Star Wars? 10. 10. All right. You got it. Straight from Lily, my daughter. I agree with her. I give it a 10 as well. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed her. You probably liked her review more than you liked mine, right? Anyway, thank you, Lily. We'll talk about Empire Strikes Back next.